Greetings, friends and brethren. This is Dr. Bob Teal for the Continuing Church of God. Today I want to talk about one of the commandments. This particular one has to do with the day of rest. Is it Saturday, Sunday? Is it done away? And while we've written various things about this particular uh, topic in our Ten Commandments booklet, our book about Protestants, our book on living as a Christian, uh, as far as Christian being an ambassador. Today I want to focus on a chapter from this particular book, Beliefs of the Original Catholic Church. It isn't that any of these things contradict, but I want to focus more on some things that people who perhaps have a, a Greco-Roman background, or maybe even Protestant background, uh, might find of interest. And I mention this because I'll be primarily quoting from Greco-Roman translations of the Bible. And one of the reasons I do this is I remember talking to a woman before who was a Roman Catholic, and basically, if you were going to read her a translation that wasn't uh, one of theirs, like she wouldn't trust it. And while there are some translation issues and various things, both from Protestants and Catholics and even uh, Church of God translators, I've seen translate stuff, generally speaking, well, actually, always, if you're sufficiently diligent and pray and seek, you should be able to find the truth. But anyway, generally speaking, uh, the Roman Catholic and Greek Orthodox translations will give you a decent idea of what most scriptures teach. So having said that, let's start out with uh, one of the Ten Commandments. This would be from the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter uh, 20. We're going to start with verse 8. This is from the New Jerusalem Bible, Roman Catholic accepted translation. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. For six days you shall labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath for Yahweh your God. You shall do no work that day, neither you nor your son nor your daughter nor your servants, men or women, nor your animals, nor the alien living with you. For in six days Yahweh made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all of these contain, but on the seventh day he rested. That is why Yahweh has blessed the Sabbath day and made it sacred. Now this is considered to be the fourth commandment by original Catholics, and it's still considered so by the Continuing Church of God, uh, the Eastern Orthodox, uh, most Church of God groups, and most uh, Protestants. Uh, Roman Catholics and Lutherans tend to call it the third commandment. Anyway, the seventh day of the week back in ancient times we currently tend to call it in English Saturday now the Greco-Roman churches as well as the continuing church of God teach that Saturday is the Sabbath I'm going to read something from uh, an Orthodox priest and scholar who I conversed with and this was in uh, something called Orthodox Answers the Orthodox believe that Sabbath is Saturday to this day, the Greek word for Saturday is pronounced Sabado, as in the case in many other languages. Now I'd like to read from the Catechism of the Catholic Church, so this would be a Roman Catholic explanation. The Sabbath. The sacred text says that on the seventh day God finished his work, which he had done, and that God rested on this day and sanctified and blessed it. However, unlike the continuing Church of God, the Greco-Roman churches uh, don't teach that one needs to refrain from work that day, nor have a holy convocation. Although 
many Greco-Romans do actually attend uh, church services of some type on Saturday. Now, did original Catholics attend weekly church services on Saturday or Sunday? Now, before we get there, I want to read something that Jesus taught. This will be from the uh, Orthodox Standard Translation. This is Matthew 4, verse 4. It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So the word of God, the Bible, is very important. And that's what Jesus said. This should be the criteria. And when Jesus said that, he was referring to the Hebrew Scriptures, what we tend to call the Old Testament, because the New Testament hadn't been written then. And Jesus attended the synagogue on Saturdays. You can read that in Mark 6, 2, Luke 4, 16. And consider also that the Apostle Paul wrote that all Scriptures were profitable for doctrine. He wrote that in 2 Timothy uh, 3, verses uh, 16 and 17. And he also attended church services on Saturday after he became a Christian. You can see that in the book of Acts, starting Acts 13, 13, uh, etc., many places. And while sometimes I'll skip over some of those lists, those are included in this book, which is free online, by the way. You can go to www.ccog.org, go under the literature tab toward the top, go under, click on books and booklets, and the books will show up. And by the way, not just this particular book, but I held this one up earlier, pulled the Ten Commandments book up earlier, one on Protestants earlier, and other ones. You can find them there. They're free, again, at ccog.org. Now, we know that the Old Testament enjoined the seventh-day Sabbath. Uh, on at least the children of Israel, as well as those who uh, dwelt among them. Now, again, as I said, in modern times, the seventh day of the week is Saturday. But what about the portions of the New Testament, of the Bible called the New Testament? Do they endorse the Sabbath Saturday? Now, as far as the which day Jesus was the Lord of, you don't have to go there, but I'm going to read several places. One is Matthew 12.8, this is from the Eastern Orthodox Bible. For the Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. Now I'm going to read Mark 2.28, this will be from the Dewey Rames. Therefore, the Son of Man is also Lord of the Sabbath. And then Luke 6.5, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. I intentionally picked three different translations. Uh, I could have mixed them around because each of the places says basically the same thing. So we see the Sabbath is clearly the Lord's day, according to Jesus. Now, the Apostle Paul uh, also kept the Sabbath, and he taught in Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1, to imitate him as he imitates Jesus. But I've been challenged before, I remember by a, a, a Baptist, to show him where in the Bible, the New Testament says to have to keep the seventh-day Sabbath. Now, I have translations here from various ones. Uh, I will first of all say, in case you're Protestant, the uh, uh, NIV and uh, I think the RSV say that uh, the Sabbath remains for people of God. A lot of Protestants are confused, by the way, because the King James and New King James version of the Bible mislead people. 
how do they mislead people? In the book of Hebrews, Hebrews 4, which is where we're going to go, so you might want to go there, the term rest is used a few different places, but only one place in the, in the New Testament is a particular word used, and this particular word means the keeping of the Sabbath. But the King James and New King James translators decided not to put that, make that clear. Well, anyway, let's start with the Eastern Orthodox Bible. Uh, Hebrews 4, starting in verse 3 through 4. However, we who have faith, so we're talking about Christians, are entering into that rest, even as God said, I swore my wrath, they will not enter my rest. And yet the works which were finished from the foundation of the world... Somewhere else, God said this about the seventh day, that God rested on the seventh day from all his works. So the Eastern Orthodox Bible, we're talking about the seventh day, the Sabbath, Saturday. Skipping down to verse 9. There must still be then a Sabbath rest for God's people. And anyone who has entered into his rest also has rested from his own works, just as God did. Therefore, let us do our utmost to enter that rest. And we're supposed to try hard to enter this rest, not write it off for fear that anyone should fall according to the same pattern of disobedience. People who will not keep the Sabbath, according to the New Testament, are being disobedient. Um, let's see which translation. Okay, I'm going to read this now from the New Jerusalem Bible. I'm not going to read all the Catholic and Orthodox translations here, but just to let you know that it's, cons it's pretty consistent. So if you are Eastern Orthodox or Roman Catholic, there, your translators pretty much seem to get this point um, in most of your translations. Anyway, this will be from the New Jerusalem Bible, Hebrews 4, starting verse 3. We, however, who have faith are entering a place of rest as in the text. And then in my anger I swore that they should never enter my place of rest. Now God's work was finished at the beginning of the world, as one text says, referring to the seventh day. And God rested on the seventh day after all the works which he'd been doing. And again, the passage says, they will never reach my place of rest. It remains the case, then, that there would be some people who would reach it. And since those who first heard the good news were prevented from entering it by their refusal to believe. So the Hebrews weren't keeping the, the true rest that God wanted them to do. So some have said, well, that means you don't have to keep the Sabbath. No. And to make sure people understand you still are supposed to keep the Sabbath, you can see in verse 9, there must still, therefore... There must still be, therefore, a Sabbath rest reserved for God's people. That's what the New Testament teaches. Since to enter the place of rest is to rest after your works as God did after his. Let us then press forward to enter this place of rest, or some of you might copy this example of refusal to believe and be lost. That's the New Jerusalem Bible. Now, the original Dewey Rames Bible of 1582 uses, uh, just says there is left a sabbatisme for the people of God, which means the keeping of the Sabbath. Uh, the Navary, the uh, New American Bible uh, Revised Edition, also says the same thing. And from there I want to read just verses 9 through 11. Therefore, a Sabbath rest remains for the people of God. And whoever enters into God's rest Rest from his own works as God did from his. Verse 11. Therefore, let us strive to enter that rest so that no one may, be, may fall after the same example of disobedience. So we see that there's a command in the New Testament to keep the seventh day Sabbath. 
and it remains for faithful Christians. The New Testament also shows that those who don't observe it are doing it because of disobedience. And early Christians, by the way, did understand that the Sabbath was in place for God's people. Now, how important is obedience? Now, we're in Hebrews 4, verse 11. Let's go into the, to the next chapter of Hebrews. Hebrews 5. And I'm going to read uh, part of verse 9. This will be from the New Jerusalem Bible. He became, for all who obey him, the source of eternal salvation. So Jesus is the source of eternal salvation for those who obey. Now I want to read this from the uh, Orthodox Standard Bible, Hebrews 5.9. He, that's Jesus, became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Now I want to read from the AFV. This is a Church of God translator. He became the author of eternal salvation to all those who obey him. Obviously, that would include obeying him on the seventh-day Sabbath commandment, particularly because there's a warning against disobedience in the chapter before. A lot of people discount this, and they don't seem to think that, they, that it matters. Now, as an observant Jew, and possibly as a Levite, the Apostle John would have kept the seventh-day Sabbath. Now, I want to read a historical, even though it's a questionable and flawed document, it's called the Acts of the Holy Apostle and Evangelist John the Theologian. It came out in the second century. And here's what it says. John, on the seventh day, it being the Lord's day, he said to him, now is the time for me to also partake of food. John went to Ephesus, Ephesus and regulated all the teachings of the church, holding many conferences and reminding them of what the Lord had said to them and what duty he he had assigned to each. And when he was old and changed, he ordered Polycarp to be bishop over the church. So we see here, now this is a flawed document. It's certainly not scripture. But notice that then, this Lord's Day is identified with the seventh day of the week. And while obviously we don't rely on that particular book, it does provide evidence that not everybody thought the Lord's Day was something other than the Sabbath. Because obviously this one said it was still the Sabbath, which is consistent with the scriptures I read in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, that Jesus said the Son of Man, or himself, was the Lord of the Sabbath. We also see in this report the belief that uh, John, the Apostle John put Polycarp over the church. And by the way, that's supposed to be a statue representation of Polycarp here. And it seems to be a reference to Polycarp put in charge of the entire church because it only mentions Ephesus. And Polycarp lived in uh, Smyrna, which is uh, uh, it's about 20 miles away. I've, I've been to both. Uh, anyway, at minimum, this shows that uh, the Apostle John put Polycarp in charge of what some have called the, the Sea of Ephesus or the Sea of Smyrna. Anyway, the New Testament clearly shows people in Asia Minor and Ephesus and Smyrna are in Asia Minor, by the way. Basically, this equates to the land known as modern Turkey. But the New Testament is clear that uh, Christians in Asia Minor were keeping the Sabbath. And I also would like to read something uh, from the old Radio Church of God. The evidence of your Bible proves beyond the shadow of a doubt that Christians in God's original apostolic church observed the seventh-day Sabbath. And... We in the Continuing Church of God 
or a continuation of the original apostolic church. Anyway, historical records support this as well. Now I'd like to read something from uh, an Adventist writer. There are many traces of continual Sabbath keeping, especially among the Greek-speaking churches in the East. Church, Christians in Smyrna were still keeping the Sabbath around 156. And he's put that date on there because that's one of the many dates that's been speculated of when Polycarp was martyred. Anyway, when he says the term East, it's not just Smyrna, he means basically Asia Minor. Let's go back to a different part of geography. Let's go to Jerusalem. Early faithful Christian leaders kept the Seventh-day Sabbath. I'd like to read something that the 4th century uh, Greco-Roman historian and uh, bishop wrote. His name is Eusebius. He's talking about Jerusalem. James I that had obtained the Episcopal seat in Jerusalem after the ascension of our Savior. So basically after Jesus went up into heaven, James became the bishop in charge of uh, Jerusalem area. It says, until the siege of the Jews, which took place under uh, Adrian, there were 15 bishops in succession there, all of whom are said to have been of Hebrew descent and to have received the knowledge of Christ in purity. So they, the pure church, they were doing what they were supposed to do. The whole church consisted then of believing Hebrews who continued from those days of the apostles until the siege that took place at this time, which is between rounds 132 to 135. The bishops of Jerusalem that lived between the age of the apostles and, and the time referred to, all of them belonged to the circumcision. They were all uh, basically Jews. They all kept the seventh-day Sabbath. It was obviously an early tradition of the church. It was the original tradition of the church because that's what Jesus did and that's what they all did. So this was the original practice of the original Catholic Church. Anyway, the leaders uh, who were among the first 15 bishops uh, uh, were uh, James, who's known to be the brother of Jesus, Simeon, Justus, Zacchaeus, Tobias, Benjamin, then John, then Matthias, then Philip, Seneca, Justus, Levi, Ephrus, Joseph, and Judas. And they all kept the seventh-day uh, Sabbath. And all those are considered to be saints by the Greco-Roman Protestants and the Church of God. But of all those groups, uh, it's only the Church of God that uh, follows their practices the closest. Anyway, they kept the Sabbath until uh, after the revolt, something happened. Because of the revolt, Emperor Hadrian had had enough of this. And he decided to outlaw practices he considered to be Jewish. So I want to read something from a 20th century historian by the name of Salo Bauern. And he wrote, back in 1952, Hadrian, according to rabbinic sources, he prohibited public gatherings for instruction in Jewish law, forbade the proper observance of the Sabbath and holy days, and outlawed many important rituals. So what happened was, Hadrian said, you couldn't live in, he renamed Jerusalem to Elea Capitolina, but forget that part. You couldn't live in there if you kept the seventh-day Sabbath. So the Christians had a choice to make. Do they flee 
And Jesus said, they persecute you in one city, flee to another. Or, do they obey men over God, which is the opposite of what Apostle Peter said in Acts 5.29. Sadly, a large group went after a Latin leader, his name was Marcus, we believe he was a Latin from historical records, and he basically said, look, we don't, if we don't keep the Seventh-day Sabbath, if we switch to Sunday, and if we eat pork, and we don't keep Passover at the right time, the Romans will let us in, and they'll be nice to us. And sadly, people who were truly converted, people who were not contending earnestly for the faith once for all delivered to the saints, which the Bible says in Jude 3 we're supposed to do, they said, you know, present circumstances, no, we won't keep the Sabbath, we won't do what God wants, we will still call ourselves Christians, and we, at least we get to live in Jerusalem. This isn't just a holy city, even though it was renamed. So that's basically what happened, sadly, with many. And hopefully when you're facing persecution, you won't make the wrong choice. Now, Theophilus of Antioch was a Church of God leader. And here's what he taught about the Sabbath. And this is probably about 180 AD. Remember, he's a Gentile, he's a Greek, just like Polycarp is a Greek. So these are not Jews. So some people think, oh, it's only Jews who are keeping the Sabbath. No, that's not true. Anyway, he wrote, On the sixth day, God finished all his works which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his works which he made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all the works which God began to create. Moreover, they spoke concerning the seventh day, which all men acknowledge, but that most know not that what among the Hebrews is called the Sabbath is translated into Greek as seventh a name which is adopted by every nation, although they know not know the reason for the appellation. Of this great and wonderful law, which tends to all righteousness, the ten heads, as such, as we've already rehearsed. So basically, what Theophilus is saying is a couple of different things. The seventh day is the Sabbath. It's one of the ten heads, the Ten Commandments. You say we have a book of specifically on the Ten Commandments. And that uh, because of the biblical Sabbath, this is one of the reasons why the term seven was used for different places, and actually variations of the word Sabbath or Sabados is in various languages, uh, Spanish and Portuguese and, and Greek, and many even Russian is basically that as well. Now, I want to read something, an odd admission from, from a Sunday keeper who wrote back in 1701. And his name was uh, Maurer. And it's, he wrote, Primitive Christians had a great veneration for the Sabbath, meaning original Christians, and spent the day in devotion and in sermons. It is not to be doubted, but they derived the practice from the apostles themselves, of course, as a appears by several scriptures to that purpose. And he cites things in uh, the book of Acts. But um, again, Hebrews 4 is very clear as well. Now there's a second century document called Recognitions. And it's sometimes attributed to Clement of Rome. And here's what it says in book 3, chapter 55. On account of those, therefore, who by neglect of their own salvation please the evil one, and those who study by their own good profit, 
seek to please the good one, ten things have been prescribed as a test to this present age according to the number of the ten plagues which were brought to Egypt. So he's basically saying that even for this age, this is the church age, um, this is probably written from Rome, um, late first century, early second century, said there's ten commandments and you're supposed to keep all of them. Not that one of them was done away, which certain Protestant writers like to say. Uh, they will sometimes tell you that they were done away or nailed to the cross or whatever, and that all the other commandments are repeated in the New Testament. That's why you have to keep the other eight or nine, but the Sabbath one's not. Well, I read you from Hebrews 4, so the Sabbath one certainly is, uh, and they've got issues uh, with other things. I won't go into all that now. Anyway, but, but we do have a book on them, Hope of Salvation, How the Continuing Church of God Differs from Protestantism. I absolutely contend that Protestants do not believe in Sola Scriptura, because if they did, they wouldn't be Protestant. And uh, hopefully, if you're Protestant, I've challenged you to read this book. It's a documented book with lots of scriptures and historical references. I uh, believe those who truly go for Sola Scriptura, really believe in Sola Scriptura, uh, if they're true and sincere, God will motivate them to support the continuing church of God or become part of it. All right, now I want to read something from the late 2nd century. Uh, this is Irenaeus, from Irenaeus, who's considered a saint by the Greco-Roman Protestants. This is from his Against Heresies, Book 5, Chapters 33, Verse 2. These are to take place in the times of the kingdom. That is, upon the seventh day, which has been sanctified, in which God has rested from all the works which he created, which is the true Sabbath of the righteous. So Irenaeus is saying that the Sabbath pictures the coming millennial reign. Now, if you're Eastern Orthodox, you might wonder what origin of Alexandria wrote. Now, Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI uh, praised this particular origin of Alexandria. So here's what Origen wrote about Hebrews chapter 4. And one reason I want to mention this is every now and then I'll have people who quote some translator or the other trying to make it sound like their translator is better than uh, others. And it doesn't really talk about the Sabbath, even though it does, etc. I like to look at writings from the 1st or 2nd century and even into the 3rd century because those people knew Koine Greek better than modern scholars do. So, Origen wrote, uh, related to Hebrews 4, this would be late 2nd, probably early 3rd century. But what is the feast of the Sabbath except that which the Apostle speaks? There remaineth therefore a Sabbatism. As I mentioned before, I read from the original uh, Reims, New, Reims New Testament, and they used the word Sabbatism, me, so that's what Origen is referring to. Anyway, Origen says, Therefore, Sabbatism, that is, an observance of the Sabbath by the people of God. Let us see how the Sabbath ought to be observed by a Christian. On the Sabbath day, all worldly labors ought to be abstained from. Give yourselves up to spiritual exercises, repairing to church, attending to sacred readings and instruction. This is the observance of the Christian Sabbath. But one of the reasons why a lot of people, particularly Protestants, don't know this, is that, uh, as I mentioned before, the, the term Sabbatismos has been mistranslated uh, by the King James, New King James, and some others. Now, the biblical Sabbath is actually kept on the day commonly called Friday, 
at sunset. So Sabbath begins at sunset on Friday and lasts until sunset on the day we commonly call Saturday. Now back in 1893, a Roman Catholic publication called the Catholic Mirror had several articles that went through scriptures that Protestants claim changed the Sabbath to Sunday. And I have a sermon or two that we've done on this series of articles from the Catholic Mirror, and you can find, should be able to find at this channel. Anyway, the Catholic Mirror properly concluded that all the Protestant arguments were false or a twisting or misapplication of scriptures. Now let me just read one brief statement from the Catholic Mirror. The Catholic Church for over 1,000 years before the existence of a Protestant, by virtue of her divine mission, changed the day from Saturday to Sunday. So the Roman Catholics are admitting that Saturday was a, from to Sunday, to switch to Sunday was a change. It was not part of the original Catholic Church. This book is beliefs of the original Catholic Church, and the Catholic Church admits the original belief was Saturday. Now, uh, Cardinal, Cardinal Gibbons also confirmed Saturday didn't come from the Bible. When he wrote, you may read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. You will not find a single line authorizing the sanctification of Sunday. The scriptures enforce the religious observance of Saturday. And yes, that's what scriptures endorse. Now, interestingly, uh, Pope Francis a few years ago, back in 2018, made the following comments. We have, with the accelerator down from morning to night, or excuse me, we live with the accelerator down from morning to night, the Pope declares in Spanish with English subtitles. That ruins mental health, spiritual health, and physical health. More so, it affects and destroys the family, and therefore society. Pope Francis quotes from Genesis to buttress his case. On the seventh day, he, God, rested. What the Jews followed and still observed was to consider the Sabbath as holy. On Saturday, you rest. One day of the week, that's the least. Out of gratitude to worship God, to spend time with family, to play, to do all these things. So that's what Pope Francis said in May of 2018. And although the Sabbath is a time of refreshing rest, a lot of people, particularly uh, certain Protestants, and I go into the, some Protestant arguments, both here and in these, this book. Again, all these are available at ccog.org. Uh, they try to act like it's a burden or done away with or something like this. And I want to go to the book of Isaiah, Isaiah 28. I want to read verses 11 and 12. I think the following prophecy seems to apply to those who don't keep the Sabbath. Isaiah 28, starting verse 11. Now with stammering lips and in a foreign language, he will talk to this nation. He used to say to them, Here you can rest. Here you can let the weary rest. Here all is quiet. But they refused to listen. Will you listen? I hope so. Now Christianity was originally considered by the Roman authorities to be a sect of the Jews. And it was anti-Semitism and fear of reprisal from the imperial authorities for looking like Jews because of that Bar Kokhba revolt that was from 132 to 135 AD. And this was a factor in many adopting Sunday, as well as adopting Easter Sunday. 
Now it's well known that the apostate Marcion taught against the Sabbath. In his book against Marcion, Tertullian, who wrote the late 2nd, early 3rd century, and is considered one of the most important uh, early church historians by the Roman Catholic Church, Tertullian wrote, Marcion displayed a hatred to, against the Jews' most solemn day. He was only professedly following creator as being his Christ. In this very hatred of the Sabbath, so, so Marcion was opposed to Sabbath, hated the Sabbath, and the first, now the first clear reference to Christians keeping Sunday, even though again we know starting with uh, uh, Marcus, uh, the Latin Jerusalem, that was going on around 135, and somewhere other places probably about 135, but the first time we see it written was uh, from Justin Martyr. Now this could have been as early as 135, but most scholars think it's more about 150 AD. And in this book, I show the Greek but uh, you won't be able to see the Greek very well. I can I hold the Greek up, but I don't think it'll be very clear in the camera. It's right here. And what this, what the terms he says is that uh, uh, he literally stated, on the day said of Helios. Now, Helios is the sun god. Or perhaps more literally, on the Helios named day. Now, I think... Justin did this in his letter to the emperor to try to say that, look, we're not like the Jews. We're different. You guys worship Helios, or some of your people, or a lot of people. About this time, by the way, Sunday worship became more prevalent in uh, the area of Rome. Uh, uh, when Rome originally became an empire, Sunday wasn't uh, so much of a thing. But after being influenced by Mithraism and some other uh, sun god cults, it became more popular, so the emperors were familiar with Sunday. Whether they kept them or not is another matter, but uh, the emperor would have known uh, the Helios Day, and that's why uh, that's why I think Justin used it. Now, why did uh, uh, Justin uh, uh, say that Christians got together on that day? Well, he claimed that God chose the uh, eighth day for meeting because of the fact that circumcision was performed on the eighth day. <laughs> okay, here's what he wrote. Now, sirs, I said, it's possible for us to show how the eighth day possessed a certain mysterious import, which the seventh day did not possess, and which was promulgated by God through these rites. There is now another covenant, another law has gone forth from Zion. Jesus Christ circumcises all who will. And was declared above with knives of stone that they may be a righteous nation, the people keeping faith, holding the truth, and maintaining peace. That's bizarre, but why, why the eighth day is supposed to be Sunday, and but why he's saying this has to do with circumcision, which is a, a minimum stretch. Now, in the second century, the followers of the uh, uh, Apostate Valentinus, and this could have been also in the uh, third century, but Valentinus himself was from the second century. They falsely claimed that Jesus said, quote, I am the Logos. I was in the eighth, which is the Lord's day. So that's not from the Bible. Jesus did not say that. And now we're connecting the Lord's day with this eighth day concept. There was a group, an apostate group called the Marcosians. And they were involved with the Zodiac, 
And they also pushed the Gnostic eighth day kind of logic. Now, Clement of Alexander, Alexandria, uh, who is a semi-Gnostic, this is not the Clement of Rome, this is a different guy, he pointed to Plato as prophesying Sunday. This is their justification for adopting Sunday. Uh, Clement wrote, And the Lord's Day, Plato prophetically speaks of in the tenth book of, of the Republic. In these words, When seven days have passed to each of them in the meadow, on the eighth day they are to set out and arrive in four days. By the meadow, to be understood, the fixed spear, sphere, as being a mild and genial spot, and the locality of the pious, and by the seven days, each motion of the seven planets, and the whole practical art which speeds to the end of rest. I'm reading this. I know it doesn't make sense, but this is their logic. But after wandering orbs, the journey leads to heaven, that is, to the eighth motion and day. He, that's Plato, says his souls are gone on the fourth day, pointing out the passage through the four elements. But the seventh day is recognized as sacred, not only by the Hebrews, but also by the Greeks, according to which the whole world of animals and plants revolve. Revolve. So, Clement's basically saying the seventh day is supposed to be the day of rest, but based on pagan logic, the Lord's day is supposed to be observed at two sets of four, which equals eight. And of course, every eight days isn't the same day. It's bizarre how they end up saying the eighth day week of Sunday, but there's only seven days in a week. That's basic math. The logic of Justin's, the Valentinian's, and Clement's explanations do not demonstrate, quote, a sound mind, which, according to Second uh, uh, Timothy 1.7, we're supposed to have. Uh, that's what Christians are supposed to have. These people are not having a sound mind doing this. Now, the average person who worships on Sunday probably has no idea that there's various forms of uh, eight-day logic, which came also from the uh, early Gnostics, are where the cell comes from. There was also something called the Epistle of Barnabas, who uh, did some type of allegory uh, pointing to this as well. Now, the Roman Catholic Church specifically uses the term eighth day for Sunday in its catechism of the Catholic Church, as have many Protestant churches. Okay, so don't think that this eighth day stuff was just, oh, these pagans or semi-Gnostics or partially deceived people. No, even to this day. Uh, the Lutherans use it, uh, the Calvinists have used it, Roman Catholics use it, and some Protestant, other Protestant writers do it as well. Speaking of people who keep Sunday, I'd like to read something from some Sunday-inclined scholars. This is uh, uh, Jeremy Taylor, Philip Schaff, and Johann uh, Geisler, and these would have come from the 1800s. And here's one from Taylor. The primitive Christians did keep the Sabbath of the Jews. Therefore, the Christians for a long time together did keep their convention upon the, conventions upon the Sabbath, in which some portions of the law were read and continued till the time of the Laodicean Council. Now, the Laodicean Council didn't happen until uh, uh, about 360, 360, 364. This is the centuries after uh, Jesus was resurrected. Uh, Philip Schaff who's known for writing the history of the Christian church. 
Chapter 9, he wrote, The Jewish Christians, at least in Palestine, conformed as closely as possible to the venerable forms of the cultists of their fathers, which in truth were divinely ordained. So it says, okay, they did what their predecessors did because it was from, the, from God and were an expressive type of the Christian worship. So far as we know, they scrupulously observed the Sabbath, the annual Jewish feast, the whole Mosaic ritual. So Philip Schaff says, look, I'm a historian. I've looked at all this stuff. Everything we can tell, the early Christians kept the Sabbath, which is on Saturday, and the biblical holy days. Um, if I find that quickly, I'll pull it up. Uh, that probably moved it over here. Yeah, we have another booklet. Should you keep God's holy days or demonic holidays? Philip Schaff would say, well, you know, early Christians kept the uh, holy days and the Sabbath. It's one of the way by the one of the many ways, by the way, we in the continuing church of God differ from the Seventh Day Adventists. They keep one and not the other. Uh, speaking of the Adventists, uh, they consider themselves to be Protestant, and we have a chapter in this particular book specifically on the Seventh Day Adventists. If you're a Seventh Day Adventist, you might want to read this. If you believe in the truth, really, I hope you and pray that you'll read it and understand it. Check it out. Make sure what we're saying is correct and take proper action. Okay. Johann Karl Ludwig Geisler wrote, Geisler wrote, while the Jewish Christians of Palestine retained the entire Mosaic law and consequently the Jewish festivals, so he's also saying the Holy Days were being kept by the early Christians, the Gentile Christians observed also the Sabbath and the Passover with, with reference to the last scenes of Jesus' life, but without Jewish superstition. So what Geisler is saying here is, early Christians, they kept the Passover, not the same way as the Jews did, but the way Jesus said to do, and we, the continuing Church of God, do that to this day. Now, it wasn't just uh, Jews in Judea-Palestine, but also in Antioch, I mentioned uh, Theophilus of Antioch, uh, Asia Minor, I mentioned that before, and beyond there. Now, some have properly pointed to Ignatius' letter to the Magnesians to endorse Sunday, and not the Seventh-day Sabbath. Mainly because they're relying on bad translations. Now, I'm going to read uh, it properly translated. This is a letter to Magnesians from Ignatius, Ignatius of Antioch. This would be the early second century, okay. And uh, again, Theophilus came after him. He wrote, "Wrote, be not seduced by strange doctrines nor antiquated fables, which are profitless. For even unto this day we live according to if." But if even unto this day we live according to the manner of Judaic concepts, we admit that we have not received grace. For the godly prophets lived after the manner of Jesus Christ. For this cause they were persecuted, being inspired by his grace, to the end, that they which are disobedient might be fully persuaded there is one God, who manifests himself through Jesus Christ his Son, who in his word that proceeds from silence, who in all things was well-pleasing unto him who sent him. Chapter 9. If then those who had walked in ancient practices obtained unto newness of hope, no longer keeping the Sabbath contrary wise according to the Lord's way of life on which our life also arose through him and through his death, which some men deny, a mystery which whereby we obtain unto belief, and for this cause we endure patiently that we may be found disciples of Jesus Christ our only teacher. 
If this be so, how shall we be able to live apart from him, seeing that even the prophets, being his disciples, were expecting him as their teacher through the Spirit? And for this cause, whom he righteously awaited, he came and he rested. He raised him from the dead. Now, I read this translation because people think Ignatius says, don't keep the Sabbath, but the Lord's Day. You didn't hear me read that. Why? Because it's not in there. Now, I met with a, uh, a scholar of uh, Koine Greek. She was actually a professor at the University of uh, California, Santa Barbara. Her name was uh, Dr. Theone Kondas, and she was not a Sabbath keeper. As a matter of fact, she was a one-time parish council president of the Santa Barbara Greek Orthodox Church. Anyway, she said that uh, uh, Ignatius' translation should be, just one part of it, if then those who walked in ancient practices obtained newness of hope, no longer Judaically keeping Sabbaths, but according to the Lord's way of life. And that's what we do. We don't keep the Sabbaths Judaically. Jesus condemned the Jews for adding extra burdens on the Sabbath that were not in the Bible. Jesus did not contend, command the, condemn the Sabbath. He commanded it. And he said he was the Lord of the Sabbath. But what he condemned were the Jews adding traditions they were not supposed to. And that's what was condemned. And that's what Ignatius was referring to. The word uh, a, a day is not in the uh, translation. I mean, in the, in the original. Now, I'd like to say also, I want to read something from the old Radio Church of God. This is from somebody who I didn't know really well, but I met and spoke with on several occasions, and the late Dr. Herman Hay. Back in uh, 1967, he had an article published, Why Do the Churches Observe Sunday? And he talked about Ignatius. So I'd like to read what Dr. Hay wrote about Ignatius here. So the Greek version of Ignatius, already quoted, is an indication of Western uh, Christianity influenced by Rome. But there's a longer Eastern version in Syriac, which is truly remarkable. And it indicates the difference of opinion in uh, Eastern churches, where the apostolic tradition was strongest. So what he's saying is that in basically in Asia Minor, they were sticking to a little bit closer to some of the early practices than, than Rome was at this time. So here's what uh, Ignatius wrote, and this is again from the Syriac, this is a Syriac version that was reported by the old Radio Church of God. Those who were conversant with the ancient scriptures came to newness of hope. Let us therefore no longer keep the Sabbath after the Jewish manner, and rejoice in the day of idleness, for he does not do work, let him not eat. For say the oracles, in the sweat of your face you shall eat your bread, that every one of you shall keep the Sabbath after a spiritual manner, rejoicing on, in mediation on the law, not on relaxation of the body, admiring the worshipmanship of God, not eating things prepared the day before, and after the observance of the Sabbath, let every friend of Christ Keep the Lord's Day as a festival, the resurrection. The day the Queen, the chief of all days of the week, looked forward to. And the prophet declared, to this end, the eighth day. So this, they got part of this right, and then he's threw in this eighth day stuff, which they uh, obviously should not have done. So the Syriac version had, had part of it correct. And one of the problems with the, some of the longer versions is that they did add some things they weren't supposed to do. Anyway, Ignatius was not doing away with the Seventh-day Sabbath. I will also comment that other writings from 
Ignatius, this translation is not to the contrary, because they clearly show that Ignatius endorsed actually keeping the Sabbath. You can read Ignatius' letter to the Smyrnians, chapters 4 through 5, uh, which I think makes it clear that he did keep the Sabbath, as did other church leaders such as Polycarpus Myrta and Theophilus of Antioch. And I should also mention there's another document called the Didache. It doesn't endorse uh, Sunday either. The word day is also not in it. Now, interestingly, as far as we can tell, the first actual document that had the term Lord's Day in it, because the part I just read in the Syriac version from Ignatius, that was added after Ignatius came, so that was not in there originally. That ties it to the first day of the week, comes from this false gospel of Peter. Problem was, the Greco-Romans considered it to be legitimate. Well, the Church of God did not. Um, we're going to hold up another book that I should have here. should be able to find it. It's a thick book. Oh, here it is. Who gave the world the Bible? The Greco-Romans accepted the false gospel of Peter for quite some time, whereas Church of God people did not. Serapion of Antioch, for example, denounced it around uh, 210-211 A.D., showing that uh, was not a Church of God doctrine. Matter of fact, he wasn't even familiar with it until he saw it. He visited the church he thought was true, found out they were quoting for this, and he says, I never even heard this thing before. So it was not something that the Church of God leaders were using. But because the Greco-Romans were, this did influence them uh, to adopt uh, a Sunday as the Lord's Day. Again, it wasn't the only factor. But I, I think this was written later in order to say, okay, this is a good reason to have Lord's Day because Peter supposedly wrote it, which of course he did not. Now, the Apostle Paul commended the uh, Greek Gentiles in Thessalonica. He wrote in 1 Thessalonians 2.14, you don't have to go there, because they became imitators of the churches of God which are in Judea in Christ Jesus. And we know that the church of God in Judea in Christ Jesus kept the seventh-day Sabbath. We read something from uh, Andrews University. Church fathers Irenaeus, Eusebius, Epiphanius, and Jerome all report the existence of numerous Christian Sabbath keepers in Palestine, Syria, and Asia Minor called Nazarenes. Now, those who were holding to the original Catholic uh, teaching on the day of the week were condemned in 364 by the Council of Laodicea. And I will read this. Canon number 29. Christians must not Judaize by resting on the Sabbath, but must work on that day, rather honoring the Lord's Day, and if they can, resting then as Christians. Sozomens. But if any shall be found to be Judaized, Judaizers, let them be an anathema for Christ. So there were still people in Asia Minor, even after the Greco-Romans took over, who still were keeping the Sabbath, and they was condemned by the Council of Laodicea. Now, although that council tried to abolish the Sabbath, that didn't stop it either. Sabbath keeping continued among the faithful. I want to read something written around 404 A.D. by a Greco-Roman saint and doctor of their church, Jerome. He noted, The believing Jews, that's Christians, do well in observing the precepts of the law, keeping the Jewish Sabbath. There exists a sect among the synagogues of the East, Asia Minor, and the adherents of this sect are commonly known as Nazarenes. They believe in Christ as the Son of God, born of the Virgin Mary. 
And say he suffered under Pontius, Pontius Pilate and rose again is the same one who we believe. But it wasn't just Jewish Christians who were keeping the Sabbath. I want to read uh, this. So there were semi-Aryans in Armenia. Semi-Aryans are Binitarians, uh, which is what we are, and the early church was, who also kept the seventh-day Sabbath in the late 4th century. Then the, this our author, this is Tamar Davis, lists somebody. Eutathius was succeeded by uh, Eurius, a semi-Aryan, and he urged a pure morality and a stricter observance of the Sabbath. So we've got others were too good. In the fourth century, in Ethiopia, we have a report. And we assemble on Saturday, not that we are infected with Judaism, but to worship Jesus, the Lord of the Sabbath. So we've got Africa here. Now in the 5th century, the Greco-Roman historian uh, Socrates, this is not the pagan one from pre-then, this is 5th century AD, he noted, For although almost all churches throughout the world celebrate the sacred mysteries on the Sabbath of the week, every week, Yet the Christians of Alexandria and Rome, on account of some ancient tradition, ceased to do so. So, uh, what he's saying is those in Egypt and Rome dropped the Sabbath, uh, but we see that so, so Socrates said that they were still being kept, the uh, Sabbath was still being kept everywhere else, as so did uh, a historian called Sozomen. Interestingly, according to an Arabic source, in the 2nd through 5th centuries, Christ observed the Jewish day of fast and not the 50 days fast. Neither did he establish Sunday as a day of rest or abolish or even an hour the observance of Saturday. So, they would have run across, there were some uh, Christians that they ran across who were keeping Saturday in the Arab lands. So we've got Arab lands, we've got the, the, so the Middle East, we've got Africa, we've got Asia Minor, we have Jerusalem keeping the Sabbath. Now, according to various reports, the Apostle Thomas allegedly reached people in India, Burma, Malaysia, and maybe even as far as the end of China. Not all the way to uh, Beijing, but possibly part of it. Now, people in India, they said they, they, learned, they reportedly learned the Sabbath from the Apostle uh, Thomas, and from others in Antioch, and they were keeping it until at least the 16th century. And uh, there's all, also we have some reports of early Chinese uh, Sabbath keeping as well. And I want to read uh, something from a historian from 1910. This is from a book called Seventh Day Baptists in Europe and America, Volume One. Dissenters who kept the Sabbath existed under various names uh, from the time of the Pope to the Reformation. The time of the Pope is roughly uh, 380-something uh, uh, AD. That's when uh, the Greco-Roman bishops started to take on that title. They were either descendants of those who fled from the heathen persecutions previous to Constantine, or else who, when he began to rule the church and force false practices upon it, refused admission and sought seclusion and freedom to obey God. 
In their earlier history, they were known as Nazarenes, and later as the uh, Vaudois, Cathari, Toulousians, Albigensians, Petrobrusians, Passage, and the Waldenses. Their doctrines were comparatively pure and scriptural. So that would include people in Western Europe, Eastern Europe, Middle East, Near East, and in, uh, of Asia. Throughout the Church Age, the Sabbath has been kept by people who profess the faith of the original Catholic Church, original Christian Church. What about the British Isles? Some have said that the Sabbath keeping began in the British Isles in the first century. They say either because of Joseph of Arimathea going there, or the Apostle Paul, or the Apostle Andrew. So Eusebius, the historian, wrote about Jesus' disciples. Some have crossed over the ocean and reached to the Isles of Britain. So there is a report that some of Jesus' followers did end up in the British Isles from Eusebius. And Hippolytus, or Pseudo-Hippolytus, we're not really sure he wrote it or somebody who claimed to be him wrote it. This is in the 3rd century. He says, Of the 70, Aristobulus bishop of, was Bishop of Britain. Now some believe this Aristobulus was one of the 70 that Jesus sent out in Luke 10. It was the same, possibly the same uh, Aristobulus, Aristobulus who was mentioned in Romans 16.10. We don't know for sure, but it's possible. The Eastern Orthodox say he was the brother of the Apostle Barnabas, and he was placed in the British Isles by the Apostle Andrew, or possibly by Paul. Now, Eusebius reported that one named Aristobulus supported the Seventh-day Sabbath around this time. But I'm not sure if it's the same Aristobulus or not, but if he was put in there by one of the Apostles, certainly he would have kept the Seventh-day Sabbath. Now, Augustine of Canterbury reportedly objected to finding Sabbath keepers when he arrived in Saxony in the 6th century. Uh, people were expecting, uh, people were keeping, who were part of the Roman church, thought people who were claiming Christianity would be doing all things the same they, they were. They were shocked, by the way, when they went to India and found people who called themselves uh, St. Thomas Christians. They weren't doing but the Greco-Romans were doing, and when they get to parts of the British Isles, they found some of the Celts and some of the Saxons were keeping things closer to the, the Bible. Now, there was a false document that was actually used to switch to Sunday. Now, I mentioned those who, who were affected uh, uh, in Rome and uh, some of the uh, Greco-Roman areas by the false gospel of Peter. But this one has to do with the British Isles. So let me read something. The Roman movement to supersede the Celtic Sabbath with Sunday culminated in the production of apocryphal Letter of Jesus, or Letter of the Lord's Day, allegedly to be found on the altar of Peter in Rome, and said the annals had been brought to Ireland by a pilgrim in, excuse me, in the year 886. Upon this basis, laws were promulgated, imposing heavy penalties for those who violated uh, on Sunday certain regulations derived from the from Jewish prohibit, pro, pro, prohib, prohibitions for Sabbath. There is, in fact, no historical evidence that Ninian, Patrick, or Columba, or any of their contemporaries in Ireland kept Sunday as a Sabbath. 
Now we can argue about Columba or Patrick, and there's all kinds of people saying there's different Patricks. One Patrick supposedly kept Sabbath, one didn't. One did the Trinity, one didn't. We'll forget all that. But the reality is, some false document was again produced, and they use that as justification for Sunday. Anyway, Sabbath was uh, uh, still widely, but not exclusively, kept afterwards until the late uh, 11th century. And what happened then? Well, in the 11th century, uh, an English woman named uh, an English woman married Malcolm III, who was the king of the Scots. And she later forced Sunday upon her husband's subjects. Now, James Moffat, who was a Sunday keeper, wrote, It seems to have been customary in the Celtic churches in the early times in Ireland, as well as Scotland, to keep Saturday, the Jewish Sabbath, as a day of rest from labor, and Sunday commemorative of the Lord's resurrection. So people were doing both, which, by the way, in Asia Minor, the compromisers who were on the Greek side did that. Anyway, Moffat continues, the queen insisted upon the single and strict observation of the Lord's Day. People and clergy alike submitted, but without giving up their entirely their reference for Saturday. Uh, which sank into a half-holy day preparatory for Sunday. Now, the queen that I mentioned was Queen Margaret. She died in uh, 1093. Uh, And she was canonized as a Roman Catholic saint in 1250 by Pope Innocent IV. Now, it was reported that in the early 1600s, there were about 20 Sabbath-keeping congregations in England. And I... Do not believe, even though the queen didn't want them, that there were not faithful ones, because the faithful ones wouldn't have been part of what they were doing then anyway. In the 1600s, Thomas Banfield, who had been a Speaker of the House of Parliament at one time under Cromwell, he reported that the Sabbath was kept continually in the British Isles. He contended the seventh day had been kept in England in unbroken succession until the 13th century. And I should probably note, because of the practice of a few of the Lollards in the British Isles, some Sabbath-keeping would have continued from the 13th century through the 17th century. So it was unbroken, probably from whatever it started. Now, I want to read something that came out in 1719 in England. John Ozell... He was a non-Sabbath-keeping Protestant. He wrote this about the Sabbath-keepers in his land. People go by the name of Sabbatarian, make profession of expecting a reign of a thousand years. These Sabbatarians are so-called because they will not remove the day of rest from Saturday to Sunday. They administer baptism only to adult people. The major part of them will not eat pork nor blood. Their outward conduct is pious and Christian-like. Now, to this day, those of our faith uh, keep the seventh-day Sabbath and we don't eat pork or blood. Now, as history goes, in the 1600s, some Sabbath-keepers from the British Isles relocated to the the Americas, and small congregations began to form. And there remained Sabbath-keeping in the British Isles and the Americas uh, throughout the world from then to this day. I want to go to Isaiah 56. You may not know it, but uh, Gentiles were prophesied to keep the Sabbath. Isaiah 56, starting verse 1. This is from the New Jerusalem Bible translation. 
Thus says Yahweh, make fair judgments your concern, act with justice, for soon my salvation will come and my saving justice will be manifest. Blessed is anyone who does this, anyone who clings to it, observing the Sabbath and not profaning it, and abstaining from every evil deed. And other uh, translators make this clear. This is talking about foreigners and uh, Gentiles. It's talking about the Sabbath. Now, does this include foreigners? Some might say, I uh, didn't say it. Well, why would we look at the next verse? No foreigner attaching to Yahweh should say, Yahweh will utterly exclude me for this people. No eunuch should say, Lord, look, I'm a dried tree. Verse 4, For Yahweh says this, To the eunuchs who observe my Sabbath and choose to do my good pleasure and cling to my covenant, I will give them in my house and within my walls a monument named better than the sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will never be effaced. Verse 6, As for foreigners who adhere to Yahweh to serve him, to love Yahweh's name and become his servants, all who observe the Sabbath, not profaning it, and cling to my covenant. There is a prophecy, therefore, for the Gentiles the foreigners, the non-Jews and non-Israelites, to keep the Sabbath. Now this has got future application, but it's certainly a prophecy about Gentiles who keep the Sabbath. And if you're going to adhere to God, you're supposed to keep the Sabbath. There's a prophecy in Isaiah 66, verse 23. You don't have to go there. I'm going to read this from the Napri. It says, From new moon to new moon, from Sabbath to Sabbath, all shall come to worship before me, says the Lord. Sabbath day keeping is prophesied for all flesh. This clearly includes the Gentiles. Now, why do many keep Sunday? Well, um, it seems to have been a reaction really to be distanced from the Jews because of their uh, Barcopal revolt and how Emperor Hadrian reacted to it, as well as pagan observations of Sunday impacting Rome. And you know, some who followed Marcus of Jerusalem, Twitch of Sunday, and of course Gnostic philosophy <laughs> played a role in getting that eighth day acceptance. But the change certainly didn't come from the Bible. And we also know that, you know, in the second century, they got stuff from the false gospel of Peter, and uh, also the other one uh, from the ninth century, uh, the altar there. I want to read something from Jesus. This is Mark 10, verse 9, last part of it. So then, what God has united, human beings must not divide. Now, Jesus is talking about divorce. Now, the Bible doesn't actually say that God unites you when you're married in that sense. But Jesus said, no, that's what happened. You're married, God has united you. So, if God has united something, Jesus said you don't divide it. His assertion is, uh, so anything God joined, people are not don't have the power to uh, divide. Well, consider that God made the seventh day sacred. He made it holy. He enjoined holiness to the seventh day. We can't divide that. Now, Jesus' words are consistent with Deuteronomy 4, verse 2. I'll read this in the Dewey Rames. You shall not add to the word that I speak to you, neither shall you take away from it. Keep the commandment of the Lord your God, which I command you. Humans were not supposed to change the commandments. Now, I'd want to read a few Protestant admissions about the Sabbath. Dr. Edward T. Hiscox, author of the Baptist Manual, 
went on to say, earnestly desiring information on this subject, which I've studied for many years, I ask, where can the record of such a transaction from seventh day to first day be found? Not in the New Testament, absolutely not. There's no, by the way, it's capitalized here. There's no scriptural evidence of the change of the Sabbath institution from the seventh to the first day of the week. Now what an admission. Now I want to read a quotation from the Lutheran Church. The observance of the Lord's Day, meaning Sunday, is founded not on any command of God. I thought they were supposed to believe in Sola Scriptura. But on the authority of the Church, states the Augsburg Confession. Part 2, Chapter 1, Section 10. Also, we discover the following statement in Article 28 of the Augsburg Confession. The Catholics allege the Sabbath changed into Sunday, the Lord's Day, contrary to the Decalogue, or the Ten Commandments, as it appears. Neither is there any example more boasted than that of the changing of the Sabbath day. Great, say they, is the power or the authority of the Roman Catholic Church, since it dispensed with one of God's Ten Commandments. That's a, an admission from the Lutherans, but they still go on Sunday. Now I want to read something from a Presbyterian source from called Christians at Work. This came out in 1883 and 1884. Some have tried to build the observance of Sunday upon apostolic command, whereas the apostles gave no command on the matter at all. The truth is, as soon as we appeal to the literal writing of the Bible, Sola Scriptura, the Sabbatarians, Sabbath keepers, have the best argument. Now I want to read something from a Roman Catholic Archbishop, uh, Reggio. He said the following at the last opening session of uh, the Council of Trent 17, uh, 18th of January, 1562. The Protestants claim to stand upon the written word only. They profess to hold sacred scripture as a, alone as a standard of the faith. So I'm holding up this book, or you're Protestant, you should read this book. They justify their revolt by the plea that the church has apostatized from the written word and follows tradition. Now the Protestants claim that they stand upon the written word only is not true. He's right about it, it's not true. This book will prove this if you're willing to believe the Bible and historical facts. Their profession of holding the scriptures alone as a standard of faith is false. Proof, the written word explicitly enjoins the observance of the seventh day as a Sabbath. They, the Protestants, they don't observe the seventh day, but they reject it. If they truly hold the scripture alone as their standards, they would be observing the seventh day as is enjoined in the scripture throughout. Yet, they not only respect the observance, reject, excuse me, they not only reject the observance of the Sabbath enjoined in the written word, but they've adopted a due practice the observance of Sunday for which they only have the tradition of the church. Consequently, their claim that Scripture alone is the standard fails, and the doctrine of Scripture and tradition is essential, is fully established, the Protestants themselves being judges. Now, I want to talk about that for just a moment. Roman Catholics say, though, that they're not supposed to have any tradition that's contrary to the Bible, and, by the way, that their tradition should be based upon the Bible and what early church leaders taught. And that's documented in this book. We in the Continuing Church of God hold to the, if you want to call it, to traditions of the early church. Not ones that were changed later, but early ones which were consistent with the Bible, including by people that they call saints. So 
since this is a, I've titled this a Fourth Commandment a Saturday or Sunday, I'll just talk about the observance of the Sabbath for a few moments. Now, I don't go into that in very much depth in this particular book. Again, it's available at ccog.org. I do go into it a little bit more in this particular uh, booklet or book uh, on the Ten Commandments. And basically, Christians are supposed to keep the seventh day. We rest from sunset Friday to sunset Saturday. That means we don't go to our regular jobs that we paid. We don't do schoolwork. We don't do things like that. Uh, we don't uh, focus on uh, uh, carnal entertainment. Uh, some people have wondered about that. And this is one way that uh, those in the Church of God uh, observe the Sabbath differently than, let's say, those who uh, keep Sunday. Many people who observe Sunday in the Greco-Roman Protestant world feel it's essential or it's a good idea to go to uh, uh, go to church services, but beyond that, that they can uh, do whatever else they want to do. Um, the Bible says that we're not supposed to be doing our pleasures on the Sabbath, but to have a holy convocation, and uh, we obey and we worship God. Uh, the, the commandment, by the way, and I read it at the beginning, says six days so you labor and do all your work. So we're supposed to be doing physical work uh, those other six days of the week. And that's also when you have time for various uh, uh, carnal pleasures, let's say going to uh, uh, sports events. Uh, some people like to do that. Uh, and various, uh, uh, many, many types of hobbies as such that people have. Of course, I would encourage you to have, amongst other things as far as a hobby, studying God's Word and, and being faithful, faithful to it. Uh, by the way, if you're a parent, uh, yes, you can raise children who keep the Sabbath. Uh, our, our children have all kept the Sabbath. We taught them the Sabbath, and our older children, uh, who don't live with us anymore, still keep the Sabbath. They did not consider the Sabbath to be a burden. Uh, they liked uh, uh, being with us, and you know, the Bible says that you should teach your children all of God's ways, and that's one of the things that we strove to do. And again, our, our sons uh, uh, do keep the Sabbath uh, to this day, and uh, our older Boys are in their 30s, so it's not like they just left home a week or two ago and they, they kept on this tradition, but they still keep the Sabbath day. Uh, as far as, some, again, some more particulars on how to keep it, what's uh, more or less acceptable, uh, we go into that in this particular book on the Ten Commandments, and I'm not going to go into all the depth there. But the, one of the points of this sermon is to point out the reality of the Sabbath. It was mentioned in the Old Testament. Jesus kept the Sabbath. Apostle Paul kept the Sabbath. Early Christians in Jerusalem through 130, 135 kept the Sabbath. Christians in Asia Minor kept the Sabbath. Christians in Africa, uh, uh, Middle East, the Near East kept the Sabbath. Uh, people in British Isles, India, and perhaps even as far away as China kept the Sabbath. It was not changed by Jesus. Jesus was the Lord of the Sabbath. And again, one of the early references to the Lord's Day actually said it was the seventh day of the week, which is certainly consistent with what Jesus taught. So, I read you from Hebrews chapter 4, that there remains, therefore, a Sabbath day for the people of God, and that Christians should not fall into dis disobedience. So don't disobey. Believe God's Ten Commandments. Obey them all, including the Sabbath which is on the day we call Saturday. It's not on the day that we call Sunday. This is Dr. Bob Teal for the Continuing Church of God.